He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Hi, New York. Dick Morris on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Uh, this is a call-in show, and I'm certainly going to say something to offend you or that you might love or that you might not like. So when you do, call me, 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. You know, when Romney ran for president, we all learned that the the idea of a venture capitalist could easily morph into a vulture capitalist. A venture capitalist creates jobs. A vulture capitalist costs them. A venture capitalist has mergers and acquisitions to strengthen a company and have it uh, produce more and be more profitable and hire more workers. A vulture capitalist dismantles it and knows that in the mergers he's going to put thousands of people out of work. And... Ray McGuire, who is running for mayor on the platform of being a venture capitalist, in fact, his record indicates that he is a vulture capitalist. And I will be explaining that and substantiating that accusation. You don't have to go to Allentown or Bethlehem for that. You can go to Brooklyn and the Bronx and Manhattan, Queens and Richmond to to look at that phenomenon. Democratic mayoral candidate Raymond McGuire used to be the head of global banking at Citigroup before running for mayor. At City, his proudest achievement was advising his client, Wyeth Pharmaceuticals, on its $68 billion merger with Pfizer, Inc., the, mer- the mega deal went down on January 25th, 2009, and was touted as one of the biggest pharmaceutical mergers of all time. All that's prominently features in McGuire's campaign bios. You can look it up, and he brags on how great he was. But what's not featured is the fact that that merger cost 20,000 jobs, largely in the New York area or about 15% of the combined workforce of Pfizer and um, and Wyeth. So after the merger, it was sayonara, get lost, 20,000 of you. Also omitted is the fact that Pfizer got millions in tax breaks from New York City to create jobs seven years before it destroyed jobs by this merger. 17 months after the humongous merger, the New York Times reported on May 10th, 2010, that, quote, Pfizer, the world's largest pharmaceutical company, plans to lay off or relocate up to 1,400 New York City employees, seven years after receiving millions of dollars in tax breaks to create jobs in the city. On Monday, the company, which has already scrapped about 2,000 positions, also put its office tower at 685 Third Avenue up for sale. Pfizer's office was put up for sale seven years after Pfizer had gotten millions of tax breaks to locate in New York. So Pfizer and Wyeth 
uh, got together. They made a lot more money. Their shareholder price went up. Uh, they did a really good job of that. And then they axed 20,000 jobs. Now, nobody has scrutinized McGuire very closely because uh, it's very, the world of corporate finance is opaque. And most political reporters don't know what the hell they're doing when they look at a balance sheet or an annual report. But um, I do. And the stories clearly show that 20,000 jobs were lost in that merger, uh, mainly on the Wyeth side, but also a great many on the uh, the Pfizer side. So the philosophy that underscores much of Wall Street is maximize profit, that's what counts, maximize returns to the shareholders, and put them first. And don't worry about the workers, don't worry about the jobs, don't worry about the community. And uh, these might be appropriate priorities for Wall Street, but they sure as hell are not appropriate priorities for City Hall. And uh, McGuire is running for mayor, touting his business experience. But if your business experience is that you fired people and you got rid of them and you orchestrated a merger, at the time of the merger, they don't talk about the layoffs. They say, it make us much more efficient. We're going to save uh, X billion dollars through cost efficiencies. I think they said four, four billion when this merger went down. Of course, cost efficiencies means you fire people. And uh, they don't want to talk about that, but you do. And the chutzpah of this man running for mayor and saying that he's going to create jobs in New York and that his business experience makes it possible for him to understand how to do that, how to create jobs. When his business experience tells him how you can cost jobs, how you can shed jobs, how you can kill jobs, is, I think, totally, totally disingenuous. So here's the deal on the mayor's race right now. The headlines are all that Yang was in first place for a long time, and now he slipped to second place behind Adams. Um, and the current polling has uh, Adams at about 21, Yang at 18, and Springer at 15, and everybody else 11% or less. Uh, I don't particularly buy that because the voting system is not first choice. The voting system is you vote for three people, uh, like in Chicago graveyards used to. You vote first place, second place, and third place. And uh, if the first and second place choices uh, can't get a majority with your vote, your third place choice counts, your second place choice. And uh, that's how the system is, and all this poll measures is first place choices. Now, in the last poll that was taken, which was a much more sophisticated one, uh, Yang uh, had a three-point lead for first choice, but a seven-point lead for second and third choice. So when you took first plus second plus third and you added them up, Yang was seven points ahead. And that shows that Yang has tremendous, in effect, second ballot strength. And it makes sense. Uh, unfortunately, politics in New York is so heavily ethnic and indeed tribal. And uh, you, you, you carve it up into the Latino vote, the black vote, the Jewish vote, and the white Catholic vote. And uh, in this situation, you have two Latinos running against each other, uh, Morales and Garcia. And neither of them is going to make the final cut. Neither of them are very strong candidates. They were both polling below 10. 
And uh, I think the third place votes of a great many Latinos and Latinas is going to go to Yang. Uh, and then you have Stringer, who's hanging on by a thread, uh, praying that no other woman comes forward. And uh, and I think that he's he's a gone goose. And I think that many of his votes will leave. And I think the sort of left-wing white Jewish vote uh, will probably end up going in second and third choices, at least, to Yang. And, of course, the Asian vote is much larger than it's ever been. Uh, it, it is The U.S. Census says that Asian Americans are 14% of New York City's population. Um, and uh, I don't know how many of them will vote, but I think with an Asian candidate running, most of them will vote. So at this point, I'm, I think the race is quite open. Anyone can win it. And I think Yang is, uh, is coming on strong. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Judy. Hey, Judy. How are you? Thanks for calling. Hi. Hi, Mr. Marr. Thanks for taking my call. So I wanted to ask you, would you know any connection between Valerie Jarrett backing McGuire in some way? Cause that's what I heard. Yeah. And also, uh, and also, I heard with the age and 14%, but they're basically backing Eric Adams, believe it or not. And I'm not happy with Eric Adams because he doesn't want to – he wants to get rid of police in all the schools yep. and metal detectives metal and all detectives. the schools. I he call it a uh... – He spoke to John Casper about equity. Equity yep. means – an example of equity means that you'll give financial aid – I'm working. I'm sorry. I'm stopping. Yeah. Financial aid to black farmers and not to white yes. farmers. We're going to so talk much equity. more, Judy, later in the show about the difference between equity and equality. you got your finger on it. You're absolutely right. Now, as to Jarrett, I don't know that, but I've read the same speculation that I guess you have. The important point to know is that Valerie Jarrett and Samantha Powers are basically running the country right now. Uh, Joe Biden Correct. isn't. And uh, Powers is kind of like the football tackle that the coach sends in with the play, uh, and uh, and then the quarterback runs the play. And uh, Biden is really in that kind of situation. Uh, oh, we, we Mr. Need Morris, to, yeah. Yeah, I just want to say my personal opinion, I think Curtis Lewa is the best man for the job. With all the candidates, yeah. he is dedicated for his life to New yeah. York. He knows every Judy, Judy, I buy he's that. I, I agree with yeah, you. He's sincere. But he's sincere. He's, he'll probably have but 20 90, people backing him. But 99 on, times on, on out of 100. The city. 99 times out of 100, the Democrat wins the general. So it's very, very important if you're registered as a Democrat to get into that primary and vote for the most moderate choice because our city's at stake. Uh, if he loses, then you can vote for Curtis, and Curtis would be a great mayor. Uh, but we have to pay attention to the primary. So, yeah, well, you know what, Mr. Co- Mr. Mars, could you just find out, because you're doing this every week, and it's great that you are, if Valerie Jarrett is the one backing. Yeah, I'll check primary, it out. That bothers me. That bo- I'll, that's I'll a red check, flag for sure. I'll check it out for you. Um, Thank you. Yep. Uh, today's, uh, today's program is partially sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Every day I speak to hardworking Americans and patriots. Frequently I talk center around concern for the country's financial footing. And the problem with the financial footing is that it is coming loose uh, with the massive amount of spending that's going on. 
we are already seeing huge indications of inflation. Uh, the inflation index is up 7%, and that way undercounts what's going on. You see gas at the pump, you see meat in the supermarket, you see all kinds of things dramatically increasing in price. And you have to have inflation because of this huge demand and the supply is limited because of tax increases that put a damper on production. When that happens, you can have unbelievable inflation, Uh, 10% to start, 20% after. Uh, Patriot Gold Group has the no-fee-for-life IRA, where your IRA and your 401k can be in physical gold or silver. They specialize in U.S. minted metals. So call 800-356-4470. That's 800-356-4470. 800-356-4470 to get with the Patriot Gold Group to protect your life savings from these politicians. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. We have hardworking cops on the streets, patrolling the streets, uh, uh, risking their lives, their careers, their pensions to keep us safe. But a lot of them have discovered a new way to live. Right. That's right. 5,300 New York cops out of a force of 37,000 have retired this year, and more are leaving every single day. You know, in the campaign of 2020, the left said, defund the police, and Biden said, oh, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. But the fact of the matter is the police are crumbling underneath our feet. We're defunding the police by making their lives so miserable, their profession so compromised, so disrespected, so abused, that they retire, that they say, I don't need this. I'm going to go away and go to one of the islands you just heard the Beach Boys singing about. And uh, they absolutely have a point. And 15% of the police force has retired in one year. The normal is about 5%. And uh, these are cops you're not going to be able to replace. First of all, they're the best ones, the most experienced. They've been there for a long time. And secondly, uh, new people are not going to go into it uh, because I think that the they're not going to go into being a police officer for the same reason that the current police officers are quitting and retiring. Uh, so this is a de facto defunding. New York did cut a billion dollars from its police budget, about a seventh of the budget. But – Now, it's going worse than that because the police force is retiring. You could have 10,000 retirees by the end of next year. Uh, You know, in the uh, Ed Koch years, they used to talk about, oh, my God, don't make us lay off 2,000 cops. It would destroy the city. Well, how about 10,000? And that de facto is what we're facing. Before we got on that subject, we were talking about the mayor's race and uh, how Ray McGuire, allegedly a pro-jobs candidate, was a vent- was a vulture capitalist who orchestrated the merger of Wyeth Pharmaceuticals and Pfizer Pharmaceuticals in 2008 
And in 2009, as a result of that merger, those two firms axed 20,000 jobs, which was uh, about 15% of the total payroll of the two companies. And the year after the merger, Pfizer announced it was putting up for sale its corporate headquarters in midtown Manhattan and closing its factory in Brooklyn. And that would not have happened if it weren't for the merger that Mr. McGuire orchestrated. So congratulations, Ray McGuire. If you get elected mayor and you say you're going to create jobs in New York, you start with minus 20,000. And the first one you create, you'll be up to minus 19,999. Uh, let's go to Alex uh, from CA. Wow, is that California? Oh, hi. Thanks yeah. for taking my call. I had a question about uh, Andrew Yang. Does he uh, support keeping those uh, objective exams for uh, determining who gets into the specialized high schools in New York City, or does he favor getting rid of them? So yeah. I think the distinction is important. He I graduated from Stuyvesant High School, so I have a vested interest in that. Yeah, and, if he favors uh, getting rid of them, then he would be more like a extreme left-wing progressive. Yeah, right. And if he favors I gotta, keeping gotta them, tell you, I don't, like a traditional liberal, which I, might be okay. I don't, I don't know. And uh, I will uh, check it out, and I will come back on the show next week, and we'll give you an answer. And okay. thanks for raising that. Let's go to Larry uh, from Manhattan. Uh, yes, he is. How are you doing today? Doing great. Listen, I'm calling about Eric Adams. You know what complicity means? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What did you say? I'm calling about Eric Adams. Yeah. You know what complicity means? What What means? Complicity. Yeah, sure. What's he and complicity on the, on the illegal side? Uh huh. What did he do? What he What he did is going to be coming out pretty soon about that complicity. Just Just watch the the the, the yeah. papers. Okay. You'll see. Well, let's see what There's they say. And I'm, yeah. I'm open for yeah. info. I respect Eric Adams because he was a cop, and uh, and he understands that life. And he was always an independent cop when Abner Louima was... Just because you're a cop don't make you an honest person. Yeah, I know. I know that. Just because you put on that uniform doesn't doesn't say that you respect that badge or you respect the authority. Yep, I agree with you. But uh, he was a cop and he understands that experience. And I think that that predisposes me toward him. I still believe Yang is probably the better candidate. But I'm all ears about whether it's going to come out. Let's go to Ted uh, from, I think, Forest Hills. Yeah. How are you doing, Ted? Yes, uh, Dick. This was two weeks ago. I asked you, why is there a police car in front of Forest Hills High School, which yeah. is the number and one I, high school in I the answered, country? And I answered you. No, you didn't answer. I did. I said that no, the, no, I said didn't. that it's the largest high school, one of the largest high schools in New York, and that uh, that we have metal detectors on the inside and a cop car on the outside, and thank goodness we do, because while there's been a a range of horrible killings in schools throughout the country, we have not had them in New York. And the reason that this is important is that uh, McGuire and Donovan and Garcia and Morales and uh, all of the other candidates uh, favor removing metal detectors from schools and removing police officers. Yang is the only one that opposes that. And I think that removing metal detectors or taking the police car away from Forest Hills and other high schools literally will cost the lives of children. So 
as we're sitting here talking, there's an execution going on in the Republican Party. They are taking out Liz Cheney, who's going to be voted out as head of the conference board. And uh, why did she and George and, and um, Donald Trump fall out with each other? Well, we'll cast some perspectives on that now. Why? Yeah, I was just talking about why uh, Cheney and Trump fell out. What was the problem there? Breaking up is hard to do. Breaking up is hard to do, uh, but uh, Cheney and Trump managed it. The reason Cheney hates Trump so much goes back to 2016. The Bush family decided two presidents weren't enough at one of three, and they put up Jeb to run for president. And uh, Donald Trump destroyed him. He called him low-energy Jeb. And by the end of the race, Jeb was the laughing stock of the country. He finished first in money raised and third or fourth in vote. And he was out of the race and out of politics. And the Bush family never forgave Trump for that. That's why George H.W. Bush refused to endorse Trump. It's why George W. Bush wrote in Condi Rice rather than back the candidate of the Republican Party. And it's why Liz Cheney, whose father Dick Cheney, is joined at the hip with the Bush family, voted to impeach Donald Trump. And it's why, I hope, in the next few minutes we'll get word that she is O-U-T. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Hey, New York. Um, Give me a call, 800-848-9222. 800-848-WABC. We're going to talk a little bit about medicine now and uh, what its future is going to be in New York City. You may need a doctor, but unless you're a person of color, you don't have much shot at getting one. Uh, A pair of doctors at Brigham and Women's Hospital, uh, which is in Boston last month, outlined a pilot program that they said would offer preferred care to persons of patients of color. The proposal published in the Boston Review accuses hospitals across the country of practicing medical apartheid, named after with the system in South Africa, something they said must be addressed through race-explicit interventions. That's a quote. One of the authors of the study, Dr. Michelle Morse, is now about to become the chief medical officer of New York City, and she has promised to advance health equity. Now, we had a caller earlier, I think the name was Judy, who talked about the difference between equity and, uh, and equality. 
And the point was that equality is a numerical concept and equity is a values concept. And she's basically saying that unless you uh, help people, unless you compensate for past discrimination and past racism, it doesn't matter if you're treating everyone equally. You're basically treating people of color unequally because you're continuing the practice that they've suffered from for a while. And Michelle Morris is saying that there are three hospitals in New York that practice apartheid in their medical services, Montefiore, New York Presbyterian, and Mount Sinai. In my book, those are three of the most of the greatest hospitals in the country. Uh, I've been in each of them, I'm sorry to say. Uh, my wife is in uh, Montefiore now, and I was in Mount Sinai, and um, New York Presbyterian's ER is right near where I used to live, and they're terrific hospitals. Morris received a $100,000 grant from the Soros Equality Fellowship three years later uh, after she wrote that article about, uh, about medical apartheid. Uh, and she launched the Campaign Against Racism, a network of health equity activists who work to dismantle race, ra- racial capitalism. That's a quote. Uh, Morris cites her own 2010 study on the relationship between race and referrals for cardiac care. And she maintains that doctors and hospitals don't refer blacks to cardiac care as much as they do whites, and that this is a racism built into the system, and that as a result, we should give people of color priority in going into those. So if you have two people who need CAT scans uh, or uh, EKGs or cardiac monitors, uh, and one is sicker than the other, but the less sick one is uh, white and the more sick one, and the other way, the less sick one is black and the more sick one is white, uh, you send the person of color there because of the very logical reason that his great, 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 great grandfather may have been a slave. By assuming the existence of institutional racism all across American institutions, Morse said, the incoming health commissioner, we can turn from research focused on documenting disparities and inequities to implementation of research directed toward correcting them. So her policy is that you will ration medical services based on race. Uh, now, you know, that is the most vicious form of uh, critical race theory that I've ever heard. Uh, it basically says that the that life and death will be doled out uh, because of race, not because of medical care, not because of priorities, not because of limited capacity, but uh, because of race. The most vicious imaginable doctrine I can think of. Um, and uh, she is the new medical commissioner, health senior health official in New York City. God help us. If you get sick, move to Westchester. <laughs> Hey, I have a call from John, who is a fellow alumni, uh, and has a question about Andrew Yang. We talked about in the last segment about the mayor's race. Hey, right. John, how I are you? I told you the first day, I told you that I had helped organize that event for our alumni association that had featured you and Roy Innes. But right. to talk about Andrew Yang today... I remember as I left the event... He supports keeping the test now. He's changed... His views from his 2019 oh, he supports presidential Stuyvesant. campaign. Yeah, good. Yeah, he good. and Eric Adams, I think, are the only two 
who support keeping the test. Yeah. The the uh, just for background, there are three specialized high schools in New York. I don't know if music and art counts, but at least Brooklyn Tech, Bronx Science, and Stuyvesant. I'm a Stuyvesant graduate. I have to say the most competitive environment I've ever been in in my entire life, counting the White House, was Stuyvesant High School. <laughs> and uh, and my education there was more important than my education at Columbia, where I went afterwards. And uh, God help us if we dilute that high school. Uh, and the proposal is absolutely insane. It either eliminates the test or it deliberately takes people who failed the test but rank high in their local high school and puts them into Stuyvesant. Uh, one of the most horrible things the left is doing is dumbing down the system. Uh, there was recently an initiative in Virginia that eliminated advanced math in high school. Eliminated it because it was too complicated for a lot of people to do. And uh, they, so if you can't do it, we just drop it from the curriculum. And Dick, getting Morris? rid of Stuyvesant oh. would be a good example of that. Yeah, you still on, John? What's up? Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I should say that uh, what's going on in Virginia is not unique. Right. It's going on in Oregon. It's also going on in California. And you have to blame CRIT because there's this new CRIT math saying that there are no wrong answers in mathematics. How do you spell CRIP? CRIT. I'm talking about critical race theory. Oh, I see critical race theory. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so well, we have to be aware and greatly concerned yeah, about this. We, we sure do. And I appreciate your call, John. And okay. Thanks thank for you. being an alumni with me. Um, let's go to Rob in New Jersey who has a question about the 22 elections. Hey, Rob. Uh, yeah. Hey, Dick. How are you? Doing good. Dick, put on, put, yeah, go in front of your crystal ball because in 2010, you better than Zogby and Quinnipiac and Rasmussen picked, uh, so accurately the, uh, the trend or the super trend of the, Wave of Republicans uh, taking back. The I'm so House. happy, so ha- happy you remembered that. I said we gained 68 seats, and I think we gained 71. And everybody said I was totally out of my mind. I probably was, but the prediction was right. <laughs> so you want to know about 22? I'll tell you what I think, and I do not have polling data to verify this. In fact, I'm going to be in the field in a week or two with a poll that will answer this question. But I believe that the left has gone so completely crazy, so completely and totally berserk, that they are going to be massively repudiated in the 22 election. Here's how I think it stacks up, uh, Rob. I think that the the, the permanent reality of American politics is apart from the ballot fraud issues that are serious. There's been a massive increase in turnout, and that's going to continue. When I ran Bill Clinton's campaign in 1996, we had uh, 100 million Americans vote in the election. Last this last month, last year, we had 165 million Americans voting. And there was not that nearly that increase in population. So as turnout increases, you get to voters that don't really follow politics very closely. They don't read the newspaper thoroughly. They don't listen to all the news, but yet they do come out and vote. And I believe that those voters will have priorities that are very different from the traditional electorate. 
I think that the traditional electorates focused on the economy and jobs and interest rates and foreign policy and stuff like that. I think these new voters are more focused on issues like I have a show on Newsmax uh, TV um, where, where this weekend I talked about gender chain surgery for children, which I liken to castration of boys and genital mutilation of girls. Or the show we talked about last week, I think, about boys crossing over and announcing that they're girls and winning all the women's sports. Or the critical race theory that I think somebody mentioned uh, earlier in the show. Uh, those are the issues that I think are going to predominate. And I think two words will dominate the election. That America has become unrecognizable and that the Democrats have gone too far. And that's what I think. I think it's going to be a total wipeout. Uh, now, I don't have data okay, yet. So, I could be on so next week telling you I'm wrong, but um, that's my opinion. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Leo. Leo in Brooklyn. Hey, Leo. Hi, Mr. Morris. How are you? I'm doing great. I love doing this. Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a 58-year-old guy, and you've been like a hero of mine for okay. a long time. Well, thank you, kid. I'm 73. <laughs> um, you know... Back when you worked for the Clintons, and then since you've changed to the other side, you were always admirable. Thank you. Well, I thought that your positions were always well thought out, even when I disagreed with them. Thank you. And I don't think there are many total conservatives that I am who would say this to you. Yep. But, but you have been a true, well thought out American who has served this country like an incredible way. Well, thank you. Bless you. That's so nice to say. You know, know, uh, Leo, I live on the 50-yard line, but the 50-yard line is now so deep in the end zone that I can't even find it. (laughs) The field has moved so far to the left and uh, that you can't – I can't find myself there. And I think that the American people are going to repudiate this massively and say, uh, move back to the center. Thanks very much and for your I, call. Yeah. I, personal, I personally believe that 85% of us are still on the middle of yard line. Yeah, I think you may be right. Thank you, Leo. So uh, let me go to Dennis in Queens. Hey, Dennis. Hi, how are you? I have a oh, question. Um, I, I'm assuming that Close to half the people in this country don't pay taxes or get money back. And if that's true, that's, I, want, I want you to say whether that's true, but if that's true, how do you expect the American people to massively repudiate uh, Biden's policies okay. uh, under a, those circumstances? That's they a don't great, really care great, about anything more than great question. Money back. Great question. First of all, just the math on that. Uh, everybody pays sales taxes. Everybody pays rent or property taxes, and those both include significant payments to the government. Usually the stat you're talking about is income taxes, and it is true that about 60% of Americans pay no income tax. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, President Trump increased that by 20%. Uh, it brought it up, I think, maybe 70 now, and it used to be 50. Um, that's the tax cut that benefited the rich. It didn't. It what benefited the average person. Uh, 
well, uh, get a net money back, you know, back back more than they put in, you're probably at about 50% on that one. I'd have to research it. But let me get to your question, which is an awfully good one. How do we get their votes if they're getting that? Remember when Romney ran for president, he said that 47% of the people uh, get more money than they give to the government. That was the stat back then. He said, we have to win getting the other 53 and all hell broke loose, and that was seen as a horrible thing to say. Now, the reason that, that that reasoning is wrong is what I just said about the social issues. Look, the economy, I think, is going to increase this year and next year. Kudlow says 10%, which would be a boom, maybe 6% the next year. These would be unbelievable historic figures because of the, the foundation that Trump laid, the uh, billion, trillion and a half stimulus he passed, and then Biden's stimulus, and then the infrastructure with a compromise on something like four or five billion total, uh, trillion total, counting the earlier money. All of that is going to so rev up the economy, but it's going to cause major, unbelievable inflation. I think that what's going to happen here is that Biden is saying don't invest in new plant and equipment because we'll double your cap gains tax. If you're a corporation, we'll double your corporate tax, which dollar for dollar comes out of job creation. And the result is there'll be major inflation, 10 15%. It's happening already. And I think that that is going to nullify any advantage Biden would get from the economy. The story will be inflation, just like it was, I think you're old enough, in the late 70s. Uh, and that will move the election to social issues, like the ones we just talked about. And do you, do you have any specific advice as to what people yeah, with savings yeah, I do? People what? With savings? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I'm not an investment advisor. I think that there are classical things people are supposed to do in times of inflation. Precious metals are one of them and other stuff. But uh, I don't want to get into conflict here. But I do just want to say that that the social issues, uh, do you believe people should be released from from jail without bail? And we trust that they're going to show up. Do you think metal detectors should be removed from high schools? And we'll trust that nobody brings in a bomb or a gun. Do you think that uh, that there should be reparations paid to somebody's great, 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 go eight generations was a slave? Uh, do you think that uh, gender chain surgery should be allowed for minors, for kids? They should be able to make that decision at the age of 10. And those left-wing policies are going to be rejected enormously by the voters, and they're going to overshadow the economic issues. Thank you very much for your call, Dennis. Let's go to Lou in Portchester. Hey, Lou. Hey, hey, Mr. Morris. I, you know, I want to echo the, the call. I think it was two callers ago that I, I always appreciated um, your positions and, um, and and the way that you presented them, uh, regardless of, of you being maybe somewhere where I didn't totally agree with it. And I think it's called credibility. You know, and, I look uh, back on those years when I worked for Bill Clinton like a first marriage. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm sure. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I, I, was, I, I wanted to, you know, I, I, I like the way you said um, uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, geez, I'm going to lose my train of thought now. Uh, when you said that um, 
that you thought that the issues were going to be the the, uh, the social issues. What, yeah. did, what did you just mention that the issues you thought were going to be the, uh, the free things pass? like things like gender change, things like uh, women's sports getting trans men in it, things right. like releasing people on bail uh, without bail uh, when right after they're arrested, things like reparations right. for and slavery. It, and yeah. I think that and, and, your voters who don't normally follow politics will be very turned on by those issues. Right, and you said, and you made a great point that you, you feel that there are many of us that don't recognize, you know, the, the U.S. anymore. And I, and I couldn't agree with yeah. you. More. Unrecognizable, then, yep. yep. And then a second later, you said, you know, I live on the 50-yard line, but yep. I'm afraid the 50-yard line is in yeah. the end zone. And so that was my feeling, where those two statements kind of contradict. In other words, and I want to say this, politicians always forever say on both sides, I have faith in the American public. And unfortunately, yeah. I think that's an overused statement. And I think that we've gone so far to an unrecognizable yeah. position I think that we... I, I hate to say it, but I don't think we can make that statement. Yeah, and I, I just we... wonder if culture and the left doesn't have such a movement and the ideology that's in all of our institutions and that it's not shaming. The more, um, that the, more the more, Andrew, the more it moves in that direction, the more it infiltrates all of our systems, uh, Lou, the more it's going to be repudiated in the election. Because this is a consensus not coming from the voters. It's coming from the elites to be imposed on the voters, and they're not buying it. So I I, I certainly hope you're right. And they're not buying it. Now, at the next... We're going to go to a break in a minute. We're going to come back, and I want to talk about the wonderful way that Joe Biden is expressing his appreciation to the pharmaceutical companies of America for basically inventing the vaccine and ending the epidemic. The way he's thanking them is by stripping them of their patents so that their massive investment will never be recouped. They're turning out that vaccine in record time may lead them to bankruptcy, and that's how he's paying them all back because the new the left tells him to do that. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Hi, everybody. You know, you have to be a moron not to not to understand what's going on with the economy. You simply cannot pass $1.2 trillion of relief uh, under, under Biden, $1.4 trillion under Trump, $2 trillion of infrastructure, another $2 trillion on top of it of his work, working families fairness plan, whatever they call it. You can't spend $6 trillion on new on purchasing power and at the same time tell businesses they can't produce because you're going to double their in their corporate tax and they can't invest in anything new because you're going to double their capital gains tax. Uh, it just won't work and it will cause unbelievable inflation. And I think the reality of this decade we are now entering uh, is going to be massive inflation. And the problem is the inflation is always followed by a massive recession because the only way they can get the inflation under control is to dry up the economy. Basically, the patient's got high blood pressure, so you kill them, and that solves the high blood pressure. That's a slight side effect that your patient's dead. Uh, and that's really what they do with the economy. The inflation, the only way to kill it 
is to kill the economy, and then you hope it revives. And typically it doesn't. Typically you have stagflation that plagued us in the 1970s and just screws up the economy for at least a decade. So what's your alternative? I believe it's buying gold and precious metals uh, because they, they're not subject to inflation and everybody throngs to them when there is inflation. So call the Patriot Gold Group uh, at 800-356-4470. That's 800-356-4470. 800-356-4470. So what Joe Biden has done is he's told these pharmaceutical companies, thank you for a crash investment. Thank you for taking everything you were doing, putting it aside and focusing all your efforts on coming up with the vaccine. And now I'm not going to let you keep your patent for that vaccine. I'm going to, I'm going to eliminate the patent and we're going to give this vaccine for free to every third world country there is. And uh, they can just make it and sell it, and you don't get a dime for it. You'll be broke. And those corporate executives that risk their heads to serve the country during the virus will probably be out on their rears uh, before they know what's going on. It's just totally outrageous. The way Donald Trump beat the virus, and Donald Trump did beat this virus, is that he said nothing will stand in the way of a new vaccine and massive production of it. He literally built a factory in the United States. Forget Trump the president. He was Trump the builder. He built a factory. He flew in the machinery and the equipment. And then he turned it over and said, Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, here's your new factory. Here's the key. You don't have to pay me a dime for it. You just have to make a lot of the vaccine. And to be sure you do, I'll pay you. I'll pay for 100 million doses of a vaccine that doesn't exist and might never exist. But I'll take that risk so that you can get it out there soon. Biden walks into office, inherits that. All he has to do is shoot the thing in people's arms, and he can't even do that. We have 40% of the country still has not received a single shot, and only about 40% have received two. Uh, and now he's stripping these patents away uh, so he can get the third world in on the action. Absolutely horrible. And we have a former police officer, and I love to take those calls. This is John. Uh, how are you doing, John? Yes. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I want to clear up something about uh, Eric Adams, and it's annoying me. It's about time the world knew this. First of all, he started out as a transit. Well, let me back up. I spent many years in the police department. Keep, and keep I was it short. We'll be at the end of the show soon. And... Um, <laughs> He started out as a transit police officer, and he only spent a few years in the New York City Police Department, beginning in 1995 with the merge. And he became a captain. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but he received charges and specifications from Police Commissioner Raymond Kelly for making unauthorized statements on TV. He had a police department trial, and he was convicted of one of the three charges. He received a 15-day vacation penalty, and he threw in his papers. Now, he doesn't talk about that. He's continually... Threw in his papers, he left the force at that point? He left the force. What was the statement that he made? And this is a matter of... What was the statement that he made, John? He he was talking about diversity, how, you know, the department is not diverse enough on CBS TV. 
and he didn't get permission from the police department. Now, to talk about department policy, you have to get permission beforehand. Yep, yep. That, department is basically a military operation. John, I did not know that. April, I will April check it out. 1996, and as a matter of record, the New York Times wrote all about it. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to check it all out, John, and I'll talk about it next week, just like I unloaded on McGuire's phony claim to be a job creator when he destroyed 20,000 jobs in New York City. Thank you for bringing that up to my attention. Uh, here's Jimmy from Asbury Park. How are you doing? Hi, uh, Dick. Good to hear you on these airways. I want to tell you something. I was never a fan of Bill Clinton until 2016. There was a rally in Philadelphia, uh, Hillary rally, and BLM showed up there, and Bill was on stage. And I want to tell you, he took them apart limb by limb. He did. Wow, that's and cool. He set an example on how to deal with these protesters who... Whatever their grievance is, you have to meet them intellectually and debate them and not run from them. Yep, that's a great, great advice. Well, I'm proud of my old guy. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, let's go to Tim on New, New Brunswick. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Okay, Hi, let's. Dick. These two of the greatest political minds in the world are now speaking. You know, when you talk about the mayoral race of New York City, we know it's all jaded to the left. I mean, New York City could yeah. be fixed with 8 million new Americans coming in to fix it. But the thing is, an independent candidate coming in, let's say... I got Biden, I got only a minute in the show, so get to your question. Um, could Steve from Manhattan become the mayor of New York City as an independent, lifelong resident, right on the issues... Yeah. Could he come in and win this election? Only if only if an absolute nut wins the Democratic primary. And uh, either Adams or Yang, the two frontrunners, uh, are not absolute nuts. Either of them would win if they win the primary. Stringer is on the verge of oblivion, so I wouldn't count him. Uh, but that's your answer. Well, thank you, guys. This has been fun. Uh, Talk Radio 77, WABC. This is Dick Morris. And I will see you again next week. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.